Welcome to episode 34 of Mansi, a podcast about magic and its influence on our culture. In each set of episodes, we cover a different Mansi or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word poet and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and solitary eclectic witch. L is documenting my birthday. Yes, it's RJ's birthday. He's turning 29. No, um. no I'm, I'm turning 30. So <laughs> my my likelihood of giving up on living uh, has increased by 25%. Um, is this when it happens right now? Yeah, well, you know, it's been a slow burn. But um, <laughs> today is the day. To, there, there's a big boost today. You know, like okay. when you're in Mario Kart and they have like the arrows on the ground and you hit one. Mm-hmm. That's 30. And you're just, yeah. I've been trying to make today like really fun. Like we started with some Spider-Man tattoos, which is very important. I low-key want to text my mom and be like, uh, I got a tattoo for my birthday. Oh, my God. You should have just sent her like the cluster because the tattoos came all in one sheet. <laughs> they were very close together. So we just did the yeah, whole. You couldn't really cut them. But then yeah. the copyright information also the copyright and, and also the warning not to put it on your eyeball uh was also i guess part of the temporary tattoo so now that is tattooed on me as that's well that's some clean line work the line work is precise oh <laughs> we just hit my Elle, get it together i'm sorry i'm, I'm the excited. i'm the messy one today i know i'm trying to make rj's birthday good but you know here we are okay All right. So I may have been a bit hungry when I came up with the idea for this episode, but uh, it actually segues quite well from our last episode on alchemy. We are going to talk about alcohol and one of my favorite snacking foods, (laughs) cheese. Cheese. We are a charcuterie house. Both of which, shockingly, have a deep history with magic. Hmm. Yes, magic cheese. Magic, <laughs> magic cheese is a thing. There's there's so many mansies out there. Um, it's actually kind of like making a comeback due to uh, a TikToker by the name of Nathan Kessel, who I follow. <laughs> He's he he uh, combines Swiss cheese with bibliomancy. Uh, he calls it cheese of truth and he slaps it down on a book and wherever the holes line up with the Swiss cheese, mm-hmm. like whatever words appear in the Swiss cheese holes are the wisdom from the cheese. Should I offer this reading on my Etsy though? Uh, well, cheese of truth readings. Well, we'll find out. I definitely don't want to steal from Nathan Kessel. I know. I'm like, should I just offer to pay him a percentage of my income from them? But at the same time, I strongly suspect that he is gaming the results. Like he is pre-cutting the cheese uh, or using video because it clip-aways. is pretty like because it says things like someone has a crush on you. It's like complete yeah. sentences. Okay, so. Yeah, uh, but it's still very entertaining. Uh, Shout out to Nathan Kessel on TikTok, who uh, could not message me back because he does not follow me back. Um, (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah. (laughs) This Uh, is Cheesegate 2021. Yeah. (laughs) Alcohol, on the other hand, has been demonized and deified in equal measure. And if you recall, the method for distilling hard liquor actually comes from alchemy. Uh, attributed mm-hmm. to the, you know, real, potentially fictional Mary the <laughs> Hebrew. Okay. Of course, 
getting wasted predates hard liquor well into pre-recorded history. Mm. It is a timeless human recreational activity. <laughs> of course, there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to alcohol, but let's not underestimate cheese here. I mean, come on. I have I have a lot of cheese facts. I have an above average number of cheese facts. Okay. In fact, the only thing I have in larger quantities than cheese facts are cheese puns. Mmm. Don't worry. This episode is dark and full of cheese puns. Is it dark because it's full of cheese puns? Or are they not related? Yeah, but, you know, L will be right there with you. So you won't have to go through it provolone. <laughs> um, RJ sent me just a screenshot of that. And I just knew that this would be painful. I knew it. <laughs> I feel like I'm provolone in this because they just listen after. So feel bad for me, you know, just like understand that I suffered for this episode for all of you. No worry. I think they're pretty good. Huh? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to be able to match your pace with these cheese buns. I can tell already. I, I know. This is the limit of my humor. They're kind of in there for me. They're they're a little masturbatory. I'm really just pepper jacking off here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now, Elle, are, are you a drinker of alcohols? Do you imbibe? Um, Sometimes. What do you wet your whistle with? What's your poison? What's your sauce? What puts hair on your chest? Hopefully nothing. Um, I like whiskey. 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 You do like your whiskey neat. Whiskey. Well, I like it on the rocks. On the rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've also seen you drink it neat straight from the bottle underneath the deck by candlelight. I have bad news. Yeah, this is, is that a ghost? Is yeah, that a ghost? it was not me. <laughs> is that just an alcoholic that wanders our neighborhood? <laughs> Literally, RJ gets upset because I don't drink the alcohol fast enough. He's like, ah, but it's just there and no one drinks it. So, no, I don't drink. And then the ice <laughs> totally melts. And then, then I think that you like your whiskey neat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, now, I am a teetotaler myself. Alcoholism runs in the in my family, and working as an EMT kind of like turned me off to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the substances I saw kill people as an EMT, alcohol was by far the most deadly. And I may share some traumatizing stories from my time doing emergency medicine, but uh, I like to put it this way: when you've worked in the hot dog factory, <laughs> you don't eat hot. Dogs. You don't eat hot dogs anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've seen the worst of something, it kind of outweighs the best of it you know uh yeah you know well i mean i have like significant alcoholic alcohol related trauma too that like once you're sitting in rehab like listening to people tell the stories of how they just totally fucking destroyed their lives and how their wives left them because they weren't good they weren't good people and how many times they went to jail you're kind of like you know what doesn't ever taste that good tequila like it's like one of those things that i'm like well i have a drink occasionally yeah but i'll have like maybe one or two drinks a week maybe if we 
have like gone out and I'm like, oh, I went to the bar and had a whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so instead of doing alcohol, I do just shit tons of caffeine. I drink way too much Monster. I drink like a Monster a day. It's horrible for me. That's my vice. Uh, <laughs> so does my older sister, actually, since like addiction runs in the family. So I guess we had to get addicted to something. Lesser of the evils. Yeah. I know. And like there have been times because like I, I'm, I was kind of like a coffee shop hobo for a long time and I still kind of am where people be like you want a cigarette and I'd be like no I don't smoke and occasionally there would be people who were like you want to start and I'm like no bro how would I afford my fucking video game habit if so I started true. smoking <laughs> uh, there came a time in my EMT career where I had to decide if I was going to be a teetotaler or an alcoholic there was just like no middle ground either this is my coping mechanism or I just don't even touch it uh, so I just decided not to drink uh, I sometimes get you know get this weird like reverse judgment where people think I'm judging them whenever oh I God, mention that yeah. I don't drink uh, but uh, like, no, I, I don't, I genuinely don't give a fuck. I, I encourage people to do it safely, of course, but I'm not here just like smashing alcohol <laughs> bottles like a prohibition cop. <laughs> you know, like. It is funny because people are kind of like, you're like, RJ says, oh, I'm a sober gopher. And people are like, oh, oh. Oh, like it's like a weird thing that they've never encountered before, which is just bizarre. That's, to me. that's how I disarm them. Yeah. Like other non drinkers, y'all know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? Except for maybe like the straight edge people who are genuinely like prohibition era cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came up with the, the, the phrase that has served me so well at every bar or party. So when people ask, ask me, uh, why I don't drink? I just say, you know, I'm a sober gopher because <laughs> they don't know how the fuck to respond to that. They're yeah, like, people are like, okay, it's, it's just so fucking stupid that they leave me alone about it. Yeah, like, I have no idea what to do with this. So <laughs> moving on. Yeah, but just like with magic. Just because I don't do something doesn't make it unimportant. Alcohol has a long and storied history in our culture. Hell, if you remember, Aleister Crowley bankrolled all of his occult exploits with his father's brewery money. Mm-hmm. So is it any wonder it is used in magic spells, curses, uh, and even been said to be the source of demonic possession? <laughs> In part one, we're going to explore alcohol as a magical and paranormal substance in history and how cultures have uh, used alcohol to be magic, I guess, or given it like magical properties. Then in part two, we're going to A, talk about like uh, more cultures, uh, like the ancient Greeks kind of like dominate everything. So we're going to be talking about the ancient Greeks in this because they were really good at writing shit down, but they were certainly not the only ones. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about America's fucked up history with, with alcohol. And uh, it's worse than you think. Um, <laughs> I, I guarantee it is. You're probably like, oh, yeah, that's bad. But I didn't think it was that bad. And that could just, like, summarize the history of America. Uh, That's so so true. It's so whitewashed. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, in the second half of part two, we're going to talk about occult cheeses. Occult cheeses? Occult cheeses. (laughs) That's oinomancy and tyromancy. Divination with alcohol and divination with cheese.
Now, if you ask the Bible, Noah invented alcohol. Oh, really? Yeah, which.、Uh, Pretty crazy, especially like growing up like hyper Christian and Mormon. Alcohol is banned in bad, the religion. Yeah, it's a bad, bad sin to do alcohol.、Um, <laughs> it's doing a, the alcohol. Like literally, there's there's these Mormon, I guess Mormon comedies、mm-hmm. that like BYU creates. They have their own TV channel now, by the、mm-hmm. way. But、um, there's one called The Singles Ward that's like a timeless classic. I think I've seen that. You've seen The Singles I Ward, think so and it's like a big deal in the movie when he finds beer in the in the fridge of his girlfriend. Oh, and he's like,、oh, I can't date you anymore. You're a sinner, and she's like, It's just in the fridge. I didn't drink it. And he's like, But if it's in the fridge, you're gonna want to drink it. You'll be tempted.、Uh, like we have a lot of beer in our fridge that has been undrinking for like a, a solid month. Yeah, so, I mean, it's because you're like... gluten free.、Um, so <laughs> That's true. That it, and a lot of times when you hang out with people who drink, they just give you alcohol. Sometimes they're just like, Hey, I got all this beer. You want it? I feel like we do that to people. I know we do that to people because we don't drink it. Yeah, like we get it, and we're like, "Oh, we confiscated this alcohol from one of our alcoholic people." Yeah, <laughs> and then we like, like hand it off. We had to take this from an alcoholic friend. So, do you want so this tall boy? Would you like to have this tall boy that we can't drink? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> so true. It's probably very strange, but yeah. But no, in the Bible, after the great flood, Noah cultivated a vineyard to grow grapes. Thing was, though. He made the vineyard too large for the grape juice he was making.、Uh, like there wasn't enough consumption of the grapes、oh. to like just be like, oh yeah, we're drinking grape juice. It it fermented before、Because、they could get too. Oh yeah, before they could get through it all.、Uh, and I I learned that all wine and drinking in the Bible. Was just grape juice. Like that's what my that's what my family and like church leaders told me. They're like they weren't drinking alcoholic wine. It was just grape juice, and they called it wine. It wasn't strong alcohol.、Uh, also, you know, they used alcohol in like in ancient、um, cultures. A lot of times, that was what they had to drink because they knew that it was clean, and like water wasn't, and a lot of other things weren't. So it was not bad anyway. Yeah,、uh, it's like it wasn't strong enough to get anybody drunk. They just say wine. I mean, but you just drink so much of it that you don't get drunk anymore. Yeah, yeah, like that's the thing. Of course, in Mormon seminary, when it was brought up that Noah got drunk in the Bible,、uh, because like he drank this fermented grape juice, and it literally says he got drunk. Uh, I was told that it was because Satan poisoned the wine,、mm. since he wouldn't have been able to ferment it enough to accidentally get drunk. Even though the,、uh, the Bible or the Torah, for that matter, makes no mention of Satan doing that at all. Okay, they cherry picked that information、uh, from a rabbinic, from like、uh, information in rabbinic literature. So it's just like some. Historical criticism slash analysis of the Bible. Okay, they just like cherry picked it from that. It's not actually canon. It's not literally. <laughs> it's, not <canon> . it's not canon. <laughs> it's not Bible canon. It's just like an, an idea. Somebody was like, "Well, maybe." Is the is New Testament、happened. canon, or is the? I feel like the Old Testament is canon, and New Testament is not canon. To be it, honest, it, it depends. So, like Christianity, the New Testament is canon. 
Um, oh, but Judaism, the Old Testament is canon. Uh, Judaism, a lot of the Old Testament is canon, but a lot of it was changed with the New Testament and Christianity yeah. making edits. Okay. Um, the Book of Mormon is fan fiction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, it um, is. <laughs> so, you know, because, you know. Follow the Bible exactly unless you disagree with it. Then just cherry pick it from somewhere else uh, or even just make up something entirely new like the Book of Mormon. (laughs) In any case, the phrase Noah's wine refers to any alcoholic beverage and it stands juxtaposed to the phrase Adam's ale, which is old Christian slang for water that gained popularity during the 19th century temperance movement Mm -hmm. where people just called alcohol Noah's wine. And water, Adam's ale. And there was like a, a a catchphrase that was like, men will always prefer Noah's wine to Adam's ale uh, when given the choice. Okay. So we take away the choice so that they don't drink. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's a new, new old timey slang for you. Noah's wine and Adam's ale. So yeah. Like, so when drinking fountains open up and be like, ah, I just need a sip of that Adams ale. And people will be like, Samuel Adams? Um, yes, this uh, drinking fountain. I don't know if I'll be able to use a drinking fountain ever again. No, water, you imbibing <laughs> sinner. Um, <God. laughs> of course, Noah was not the one who discovered alcohol because, of course, he fucking wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there is overwhelming scientific evidence that Noah never existed at all and is simply an allegorical story. Mm-hmm. Might be why the story of Noah seems plagiarized from the Epic of Gilgamesh, which predates the Old Testament. In the Gilgamesh myth, the highest of the gods, Enlil, decides that humanity is too noisy and irritating, so he decides to mm-hmm. flood the earth. Mm-hmm. He's just like the, the, the guy who, like, lives downstairs, like, banging with his fucking broom <laughs> to get the party to stop. God damn it. I'm just going to flood your shit. Mm-hmm. The god Ea, who created humanity of earth and dust, mm-hmm. finds the hero, Utnapushtim, and warns him giving him detailed instructions on how to build a boat so that humanity would survive. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Does that sound kind of like the biblical God who created people out of the earth uh, and dust, deciding to flood the earth because people are being too wicked and offensive to him, but he warns a hero named Noah about a flood, giving him detailed instructions on how to build a boat so that humanity and animal life would survive? This has been your PSA (laughs) on not taking the Bible literally. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) alcoholic beverages go well into prehistory. The oldest evidence we have is from ancient Mesopotamia going back as far as 3200 BC, the dawn of like recorded history. We know we're getting, you know, blasted in 3200 (laughs) BC because we know they had gods specifically for alcohol, not a god of wine, but several gods of wine. Oh, really? Yeah. The oldest written account we have of the ancient Sumerians brewing beer is from the 1800s BC, as far as, like, we're actually going to write about getting drunk. Um, (laughs) Rather than just knowing that because their gods existed that long ago, Mm. that were gods to alcohol. It's titled, A Poem to Ninkasi. And the poem itself is a recipe for brewing beer. Oh, my God. Okay. Ninkasi. Go in, poet. Ninkasi being the god of beer and the brewing process. Okay. 
and when I say beer, I don't quite mean like the stuff we drink today. It's It was very different. Brewing has come a long way since okay. 1800 BC. I actually know nothing about the history of beer and wine, turns out. So I'm just, yeah. I'm along for this ride. This is a, this is a ride. This is a historical ride. Okay. And people who are like really into alcohol and like our master brewers are probably mm-hmm. like, finally, other people give a shit about it. People this. care about it. Yeah. yeah. The beer recipe from the poem involves baking a sort of hard barley bread called the bapir first. Then... Uh, they dissolve the bread in hot water to make like soggy oh, bread mush. <laughs> okay, the yeast, and they right? added grapes and honey for flavor. Okay, so it was like more of a mead. Yeah, the bread was a source of yeast, allowing mm-hmm. alcohol to be produced. Mm-hmm. The resulting beer was more like a gruel or oatmeal. Oh my god, that had ew. to be slurped up with like wide boba straws, <laughs> <laughs> like a big old reed that you would. Just... <laughs> It was chewable beer, basically. It's an edible, but for alcohol. (laughs) I guess. Uh, But hey, maybe it was delicious. I don't know. Uh, Brewer fans, look up a poem to Ninkasi. It's public knowledge. Give it a try. Uh, Or, you know, somebody like tag Binging with Babish in this episode or something. Send (laughs) it to Binging with Babish. I bet that he would make it. He would make it. We should, yeah. I should be like, hey, Binging with Babish, can you make this ancient recipe? There's also a TikTok guy that I stumbled on just a couple of days ago who makes vintage recipes from like the 30s. Oh, wow. I bet they're all bad. Hey, I've got something super vintage for you. Yeah. (laughs) Just like try this. Uh, no, sometimes they look really bad on the surface. But they taste They're like really old folk recipes, but they end up taste, tasting really good. He made like a chocolate sauerkraut cake. I think you told me that. And he was like, why does this, why does this work? But then when you get into like the 50s and 60s where recipe books. Pimento jello. Yeah. Recipe <laughs> books were not like old family recipes passed down through generations, but rather like. Betty Crockers. throw a bunch of shit together because yeah. the, the canned food industry sponsored our cookbook oh, so yeah. that uh, we just have to have recipes with our stuff and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. And I have gagged watching him bake. Oh, just thinking about it. Oh, God. We have to tell John not to listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be triggered. <laughs> Anything with the texture of cottage cheese makes me gag. And I used to have a really strong stomach. Like, when I was an EMT, yeah. I dealt with some shit. Like, here's, here's one of the horrible stories from being an EMT. Hi, RJ from the future here. If you don't want to hear this horrible story, followed by me having a visceral reaction to telling it involving several gagging noises... Then you can go ahead and skip to uh, the 26 minute, 37 second timestamp. Otherwise, just uh, prepare for this this wild ride. Accompany me on this uh, horrible, horrible journey. I was a medic at the ICP concert. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was really sketchy. Like they paid me in cash, like Plus a cut of the bar sales at the end of the night. For a medic? Yeah. Uh, they, okay. And they didn't even check or make a copy of my EMT license. They just kind of trusted me. I was like, do you want a copy? And they were like. I would want a copy. Yeah. They were like, nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, don't they have to like declare that to the state and tell the state that they like have met safety protocols? Yeah. All all that needs okay. to happen is the fire marshal comes and inspects the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ICP concert. I show up. 20 minutes early, turns out the Juggalos have been tailgating in the parking lot mm-hmm. since like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get there and immediately the medical office is full of alcohol poisoned Juggalos. And 
we have these Home Depot buckets. We have like four Home Depot like gallon orange, yeah, like, like multiple gallons orange buckets. And I shit you not. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this horrible Don't moment in my life. Do it then. Um, no, I have to. Oh my to, god, it's so I uncomfortable. To, I have to for the podcast. I hate this. <laughs> so part of the tailgating party right before I arrived was a Jack Daniels chugging and hot dog eating oh, project. No. Ah. <laughs> Stop Raw hot dogs. Raw hot dogs. There's a trash can right there. Three, three of the four buckets <laughs> were overflowing. Literally no. overflowing with full size. Oh my god, yo. Ah. Fuck, fuck. I'm committed. This is so bad. <laughs> poor thing. Ugh. Give me one of those wipes. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> overflowing oh. with. Uh. <laughs> They're not like separated. <sighs> what was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stop telling the story. I have now. PTSD. No, <laughs> we have to know the end. <laughs> I'm a storyteller first. Oh my god, that was just so painful. So, overflowing <laughs> with vomit and raw hot dog. Ugh. Uh and I had to like Clean figure out how to dump these buckets out because more drunk juggalos were, we're coming in. Up. And one of the buckets was literally being used as a shit bucket. Oh my god. Because they were also projectile shitting. Yeah, because they probably had food poisoning. Yeah, well they were just, and the alcohol made them all fucked up. <laughs> where'd those where'd those go? What? The Oh, the I just wipes. put them back in there. Oh, they're just like stuffed back in here. Yeah. Is <laughs> You probably are going to have to cut out you actually vomiting. <laughs> uh artistic integrity. <laughs> Was that worse than Zaka to Chichi? I feel like that was worse than Zaka to Chichi. <laughs> that was that was worse. We anyway, suffer for our art here. Anyway, uh, I've never written a poem about this for obvious reasons. Don't. I don't know um, how you could perform that ever. But yeah, it was probably the worst experience of my life, uh, and I started adding to those vomit buckets yeah. after not too long. Uh, I just wiped my face with a disinfecting wipe, and now it tingles. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, but now I'm clean. You you are clean. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> where was I? Oh yeah, anything with the texture of cottage cheese from that moment has made me has made me horribly horribly gag. Do you want to go wash your face? I probably should, huh? Yeah. Okay, I'll be right back. Whew. And I'm back. You know, um, not every PTSD response is like an emotional, like, cry in the corner reaction. Sometimes it's a psychosomatic, visceral reaction that comes from your body. <laughs> yeah, um, and your body's like, what the fuck is this? And like remembering for <laughs> a long don't, time. Don't go there. Just... For a long time, I had some serious biases against Juggalos for this reason. Yeah. And I, I had to seriously work through that. But like, they're legit. 
<laughs> You're fine, Juggalos. I love how anti-racist you are. Yeah. You know, just like... Like Silent J supports his daughter who's a furry, you know? Make, like, make, that's cool. Make some good fucking decisions, please, is all that I That just seems like the worst. Like, why... You know, it doesn't matter. I think that just doing dumb shit is what Juggalos do best, I think. Yeah, you know. They're, Jesus. They're rowdy. I wrote a, a Medium article once, which was like... Um, who to call instead of the police when there's a crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the article was like, uh, who to call instead to make the situation way worse than it already is, Mm -hmm. uh, but still be more helpful than the police. Mm -hmm. And Juggalos were at the top of the list. Yeah. They were the number one people you want to call if you want to make a situation worse, but not as bad as the police. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they're legit. I respect you, Juggalos. <laughs> just, like, don't ever fucking do that again. To anyone. To, just don't do anyone. that. Because people, you ever. know, you don't live in a vacuum. Not to yourself. Not to yourself. No. And, and not to me. Um, no, not to the EMTs. Anyway. So I, I definitely could not be in the same room as this, like, ancient Mesopotamian beer gruel. No. <laughs> there's no way. I forgot that's how we got there. Yeah. And the slurping sound. I know. I took you on a journey. Oh, man. I told you this was going to be a wild fucking ride. I did not expect PTSD vomit. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, but here you know, we are. Oftentimes, friends will be like, oh, yeah, come to the house party. No. Can't fucking do it anymore. You know, I see these, like, drunk people passed out and instantly my, like... PTSD emotional shutdown mode kicks in. I feel like I've got to help, and I'm like more flashback to like, no, not gonna fucking, not gonna do that anymore. Yeah, ever. I agree. I get it. Um, I I did my dues. You did. I, I saved people from death, and I watched people die. Uh, I did. I did my part. If y'all can't fucking handle your shit and like drink responsibly and look out for your friends, that's on you, bro. I'm retired. Anyway. That's fair. This is why I don't drink, though, for real. Like, I'm just too old for that shit. You got my Mountain Dew voltage. Got some Mountain Dew. Blue, blue is my grounding flavor from, like, PTSD. Isn't voltage purple? It's blue. It's okay. the color of blue Gatorade. It is the color of blue Gatorade. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Where's the bowl? <laughs> we need a, a healthy one. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're getting into ancient Greece. Dionysus, as mm-hmm. we know, is the god of wine, his Roman counterpart being Bacchus. The cults of Dionysus were absolutely infamous. As you can imagine, the god of drinking, ecstasy, and celebration was pretty fucking popular. Yeah. <laughs> it was a popular thing to worship. As the Greeks began to Romanize, one name given to Dionysus, along with Bacchus, was the name Liber, meaning free, as in, like, liberated, Mm -hmm. Liber. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was celebrated for setting humanity free from their inhibitions and fears. Bacchus would continue to be popular in Rome, and the first Bacchanals took place on the 16th and 17th of March in the woods near the Aventine Hill in Italy. Hmm. The Bacchanalia were attended only by women. Like, this is a women-only club, women-only party in secret. Okay. 
These women were the priestesses of Dionysus, also called Maenads, mm. which those of you who had HBO subscriptions in the 2010s <laughs> will recognize from True Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole, like, Marianne arc is about a Maenad taking over Bon Tom. Uh, they were essentially party witches. I think I had a past life as a Maenad. I really think that I did. When oh. I went to Greece... Um, when we went to Greece, we went to one of the islands that had ruins on it, and they had a um, – what are they? The tile mosaic. They had, like, a tile mm. mosaic on the ground of Dionysus, and I just had, like, a really powerful experience. This is when I was, like, 18, so it was before I really understood everything. But I was like, oh, I've been here. I did this shit. So I'm pretty sure I was a main ad in past life, which would yeah. be dope. Yeah. Um, main ads, also called Bacchae wore fox skins, deer skins, and would put themselves into a trance of pleasure and intoxication. They would drink, dance, and drink some more, and dance some more. And all of this was to commune with Dionysus. The idea was to incite each other into being wilder and wilder, crazier and crazier, making noise, acting crazy, chugging wine, screaming, whatever they could do to build up big party energy. Mm-hmm. They would throw uh, throw in a little extra flair by wearing ivy, a bull skull, Ooh. or wearing a live snake. Shit. All symbols of their god, mm-hmm. Dionysus. Often, in their frenzy, they were known to tear apart any animal they come across with their bare hands. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, there are several legends where they tear apart people limb from limb. In the myth of Orpheus, a group of maenads demands Orpheus play them a song, and he's like, go away, I'm mourning my wife's death for the second time, leave me alone. Yeah. And because he refused them, the maenads tore him apart limb from limb with their bare hands, killing him. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) They were fucking intense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, there's the famous tragic play by ancient Greek playwright Euripides. It's called The Bacchae. Spoilers for a 2,400-year-old uh, play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've had fucking time. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> but the king of Thebes in the play bans the worship of Dionysus after learning about some strange occurrences happening in the woods. He's then lured into the woods by his cousin and is ripped apart limb from limb by the party which is a Bacchus. In fact, his own mother tears his head off, believing it to be the head of a lion in her intoxicated frenzy. I feel like you'd have to be doing a lot more than drinking alcohol to confuse a human head with a lion head. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about this in part two, but it's called alcohol hallucinosis. Oh. Uh, which is suspected earlier societies. Like ethanol, right? Suffered from, yeah, because humans had not yet evolved the enzymes to help them properly oh. handle alcohol. It's just a theory, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about these main ads just going absolutely fucking nuts, like psychedelic nuts, like mm-hmm. hallucinating, hearing voices, seeing gods and shadow people and ripping apart animals yeah. and like drinking raw blood. Like, Fuck. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's believed that a lot of this was based on alcohol hallucinosis. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, building up that energy creates a sort of placebo effect 
uh, and like an empathetic herd reaction that enhances that uh, mm-hmm. portion of being drunk. So uh, anyway, don't fuck with Dionysus. I yeah. think is the moral of this story. Yeah. Like, you know, you see all these guys like, ah, Lucil, Zeus will throw lightning bolts at you. Uh, Poseidon will send a tsunami uh, you know, fucking Dionysus. He'll send his party bitches to rip you <laughs> apart. <laughs> like, don't. Now I know why I've had a past life as a Maynard because I identify as a party bitch. <laughs> well, when I was in college, like 18 to 23. Yeah. And I'm glad you're talking about college because we're about to. Okay. Uh, while the story itself is fictional, the situation was very real. You remember those Bacchanals happening in Italy? Mm-hmm. Well... They grew and grew with their secret celebrations taking place five times per month. Whoa. And remember, these were women-only parties led by Bacchae. Mm-hmm. I guess men couldn't hang. No. Until they decided that it was cool for men to join too, which was a mistake. Yeah, it's always a mistake. <laughs> it's always a bad idea. Rumors started to fly that the people attending these secret parties were conspiring to commit crimes or overthrow the government or stage coups. Mm. Specifically, you know, like political conspiracies. So in 186 BC, Rome banned all Bacchanals unless they were specifically approved by the Senate. Mm. So that's kind of mirroring what, what the play was about. Yeah. Of course, they still happened. Even with the harsh punishments for every, everybody getting caught. Basically, it's like the scene in the college movie where the cops show up. But instead of cops, it's centurions. And instead of drunk college kids, it's drunk cultists. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they'll just like scatter like, oh, the man is here. And they're like, halt, citizen, or I shall spear thee. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been to a couple of those. And they were in uh, fraternity houses. So, yeah. you know, on theme. In fact, frat parties are often called bacchanals as a callback to the ancient Greek worship of Dionysus. Okay. Well, yeah. They get all of it wrong. <laughs> For starters, you do that shit in the woods. Yeah. To commune with nature and the gods. I did those too. Yeah. Secondly, and most importantly, this shit was always led by women, not sweaty rich boys who learned about consent from Zeus. I was going to say, do you know why men were not allowed at the Bacchanals originally? Because they can't be trusted. Because we all know what happens. I'm just kidding. Not to generalize all men, but you know. But also, I mean, a lot of this might be because I think fraternities are just white people gangs that shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I'm not going to gatekeep how you parody ancient Greek cults. (laughs) But I will say that frat parties with the looming threat of getting torn apart limb from limb by groups of women wearing ivy and live snakes might hit a bit different. I don't know. You know what? I feel like some people would be more into that, honestly. (laughs) Especially with how people are reacting to Resident Evil Village right now. Oh, my God. I need to show you some of the memes. Yeah, I do. There is a nine-foot-tall sexy vampire woman. And people are simping hard. I've seen some of them, and they have, like, the little man next to her, like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In addition to leading these parties... Uh, rocking Dionysus-inspired fashion and ripping people apart, Maynads were also doing magic. Mm. Like, 
they were priestesses and yeah, they were totally blasted, but they're still priestesses. Uh, the whole point is to connect to Dionysus and hell, if someone died in the process, then they fucking nailed it. Like success. Like mm-hmm. you made it. <laughs> you drunk yourself to death. Good job. Uh, pa- Shit. Partying to death was an honor and a sign of dedication. Those who lived by the party died by the party yeah see i maybe i think because i also uh have a theory that because i have like weird uh addiction like phobia almost in a way that i'm like like when drinking when i get really depressed like when i was in therapy and stuff originally my therapist was like do you drink more when you're depressed i'm like no because i want to be happy and drinking when you're depressed makes you sad anyway i think that like that whole idea of like partying until you die i just have like such an intense aversion to that so anyway uh, all of me. this, all of this, these parties were just one big long ritual, one big spell to get hyped up more and more. Of course, there was also divination, specifically oinomancy, oinomancy. which is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's divination by alcohol, which was only to be performed by the main ads at peak hype when they like peaked at their party. They're like, all right, move over, motherfuckers. We're doing oinomancy. So should I have like a couple of whiskeys and then do this reading? That depends on how much of a main ad you want to be. I have to seriously consider that. I kind of have a rule to not read while I'm intoxicated in any way, shape, or form because it keeps the demons away. But I mean, this was the way it was done so that Dionysus could like inhabit you. We need to like post a poll so people can tell us before we do this. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this. We'll figure it out. Maybe I'll be drunk. Who knows? So there were several methods uh, of doing oinomancy. The first is scrying a libation. Now, many people are familiar with the word libation as to just mean like strong drink like, uh, sir, would you like to have a libation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm using fancy, fancy words. <laughs> but – the root, the word has its roots in this ritual. A libation is any pourable material being poured to serve as an offering. The practice has existed all over the world, and the offerings can be for gods, spirits, dead loved ones, ancestors. So when you say pour one out for someone who is dead, you're doing a libation ritual. Mm-hmm. A libation is not the drink itself, but rather the act offering. of offering the drink. Mm. The maenads would perform libations by pouring wine into a vessel or onto the ground or an altar. They would observe the stream of liquid as it was falling, examine splash marks or streaks left behind as the wine sloshed in the vessel. If the stream was strong and steady, if you got that laminar flow. <laughs> you know what I mean? That laminar no. Flow. Oh, man, it's satisfying. What is it? Get that laminar flow. Um, you'll know when you see it. It's just like a, a way water flows that is like a perfect. Just perfect. Okay. Yeah. It looks almost solid. It's flowing mm-hmm. so perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the stream was strong and steady or if the, the earth quickly absorbed the wine, the offering was accepted. It meant good omens and like a righteous party, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Another method was to spill some wine onto white cloth. And this is what we're going to do. This is the method uh, that that involved like scrying, like the shapes of the wine on the stained cloth, like an ink blot test. 
The same would go for any wine that was spilled onto the clothing of the reveler. So if you're partying and you spilled some wine on yourself, Gotta the main ads would shit. come and scry that shit. That's amazing. So spilling was, you know, not necessarily a party foul, but the main ads would tell you what it means. It yeah. could be good luck. It could be bad luck, just depending on the omens. The divination. So was it a party foul? No. Could it mean that you were going to die in some horrible way? Yeah. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is my kind of toga party. I feel like we just have everyone wear white cloths and then if they spill, then they get readings. That would be fun. Th- that would be fun and messy. You'd have to do it outside. <laughs> I feel like I should do these. So we should do like ancient divination parties and I'll, I'll like do the readings for people who go. That would be fun. Yeah. When we do when we start doing live Mancy events. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another method involves boiling cloth or paper in wine and then examining the shape it takes afterward, like Ooh. how it like scrunches up and stuff. That's fun. They would also scry the sediment and pulp at the bottom of wine bottles and wine mm-hmm. glasses. See, you know, sometimes Bacchus like leaves secrets there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they would also study the wine's color, taste, and smell. If the wine tasted off, bad omen. If the color was richer or dark, darker, that was a good omen. If the wine smelled rancid, really bad omen. It meant that someone was going to spoil the party, the centurions were going to no. come, and Bacchus was calling the party off before it started. No. Not the party. Bacchus was like, big warning, bro, spoiling this wine so you don't get fucked. Which, like, thanks, Bacchus, I guess. Yeah, I would be sad if, if we were, like, going to go have a party and the first bottle we open is just spoiled. Yeah. That'd be really disappointing. The main ads would be like, oh, shit, Everyone scatter. would be gone and scatter. they'd be like, go do a cleansing ritual now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to go to the extra spell. Brought to you... By L. Yay! Laurels of Lux is L's Etsy store where you can order psychic readings and learn about past lives and get reminded not to text your ex. This extra spell is all about the witch's brew. L, this is going to blow your mind and make you mad at the same time. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you already know this, but I definitely didn't know I don't this think I do, before, yeah. Before I found this out, um, my friend sent me an article and was like, have you heard about this? And I was like, holy shit, this is a whole thing. Okay. So brewing is a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. But like, why? Yeah. I mean, misogyny and patriarchy, yes. But brewing <laughs> actually used to be a craft dominated by women. Okay. So what exactly happened? Uh I mean, misogyny and patriarchy, but Mm -hmm. well, women who were brewing beer got accused of witchcraft. In fact, if you've ever like seen like a witch Halloween costume, like the stereotype of what witches look like with Mm -hmm. their pointy hats and everything, like that's actually what women brewmasters used to look like. That's Mm -hmm. what they would wear Mm -hmm. up until the 1500s. Uh, brewing was primarily considered women's work. Maybe it had something to do with the priestesses of Bacchus establishing women as authorities on alcohol. But through Egypt and even through Europe and in Viking culture, women were the brewmasters. The Viking women brought their brewing techniques to Europe and Christian nuns actually perfected the art. 
Ale and beer was a calorie-dense drink that would stave off hunger, and alcohol would prevent bacteria growth and protect from pathogens. So, yes, they were drinking it because the water wasn't particularly mm-hmm. good, but the biggest reason was um, one of humanity's oldest enemies is calorie deficiency. Oh. Uh, like, high-calorie foods are hard to come by. You know why potatoes exist? High-calorie food. Yeah, it's a high-calorie food. They literally selectively bred. Yeah. Like root vegetables to have lots of calories to keep you going all day. Like one potato is worth like three like gathering trips. If like three That's foraging true. trips worth of calories. Yeah, like think about how big yams are and stuff. I think the thing that's wild is people would be like, I don't feel like this is an issue that we're having now. But imagine if all of us were doing the amount of work that people used to do where you're like tilling fields and like feeding the chickens for like 18 hours a day. Dude, imagining ha- imagine having to take down a mastodon every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they developed ways and then people were like, you know, it just tastes good. <laughs> and, and you know, we have like a lot more time to like ponder the existence of humanity and study science because we have potatoes. We're standing, on the, we're standing on the shoulders foods. of giants. And beer was one of those calorie-dense foods. And unlike potatoes, it would keep for a long, yeah. long time. It was literally all – you drank it because it was rotting. Yeah. Um, you know? How long, I guess, would beer last if, like back then if they made like a cask of it? Oh, all through the winter. Yeah, that's awesome. All through the winter. Uh, Beer was also used in like religious ceremonies for the Vikings to honor their gods and prepare for battle or to celebrate battle. Any excuse, really. Uh, (laughs) The brewer's craft served to uh, assist and empower women who were single or widowed. And many married women would partner with their husbands to sell the excess beer. These women were often referred to as alewives mm. who would learn the craft from their mothers and pass it down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, basically, this was a meal. Beer was a meal. Um, yeah. And when there was leftover, it was like, sell that shit at the market, you know? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you, you have to understand that for hundreds of, if not thousands of years, beer was an important source of nutrients for the working class specifically. Like the rich guy could like recreationally like go on hunts and like eat and boar and meat and, yeah. and like have people cook for them. The working class people had to drink stanky barley juice, um, yeah. you know, because it was easy and it stayed good through the winter. It's literally the lifeblood of societies around the world because hmm. beer consumption was – it was just part of daily life and survival. Mm-hmm. Brewing and fermenting were just part of household tasks like cleaning. No husband uh, means that there was extra beer that could be <laughs> sold yeah, uh, or stronger beer that could be brewed and sold. Like you could spend more time brewing stronger brews mm-hmm. for the more recreational alcoholic parts of it. All through the Middle Ages and Renaissance, if you were to go to the market – You'd see women wearing pointy hats, standing in front of cauldrons, brewing fresh batches. And if one of these brewmasters had a store, like if they were successful enough to have their own store or brewery, you'd also see a pet cat. Not Mm. as familiar, but as a guardian of the grain and barley that would get like, you know, overrun with mice without Mm -hmm. these cats. They looked exactly like how we think witches look. And that was the origin of so many witch tropes was just Hmm. women were the brewers of beer. They were the brewmasters of the Middle Ages. That's dope. And then a little event called the Reformation. Mm -hmm. And then the Reformation. And with it, 
the Great Hunt. Between the mid-1500s and 1600s, everyone was paranoid about witches, the devil, and witchcraft. And, of course, extremely strict gender norms and fundamentalist belief were part of that movement. Just because the ladies had dominated the industry, it didn't mean that there were no men in the industry. And with this new emphasis on patriarchy, with the Reformation movement, they decided to weaponize their male privilege and clear out the competition. There were several cases of male brewers accusing their female competitors of brewing magic potions in their cauldrons rather than beer. Thus, the concept of witch's brew. Began. Oh, if that was me, I would fucking give them something to be afraid of. Like, <laughs> they would have some bigger issues than whether or not I'm selling more beer than they are. Uh, is it beer? Or is it witch's brew? It's not fucking witch's brew. It's never fucking witch's brew. It's never the shit that you fucking think it is. They accuse the cats of being familiars as well. Demonic servants from hell who have made a pact with the witches to do their bidding. Or they just fucking catch mice because mice live in fucking grain and this is... You know what? It worked. To horrible effect. The results were just way worse than these male brewmasters could ever have ever imagined or what? intended. People died because men are idiots? In many what? places, witchcraft, you know, like at the beginning of this movement, witchcraft carried a sentence of like a few days in jail. Mm. Of course, with the Reformation, senten more... sentences became much, much harsher. And men who did this condemned these women to death. Even death. if they weren't sentenced to death... Witchcraft paranoia would cause them to become ostracized. They'd be thrown out of town, exiled. They would lose all of their income and even be the target of zealous murder and hate crimes. So if the state didn't kill them, angry mobs would. Of course, these men didn't really believe these women were doing witchcraft. However, they did believe women shouldn't be making beer or making money for that matter. Brewing is a time-intensive, precise practice. According to the male brewmasters, these women folk should be spending that time raising children and finding husbands. The Reformation fundamentalism motivated these men to destroy women-owned businesses by slander or by other more violent means. In some cities, like Chester in England, laws were passed making it illegal for women to sell beer out of fear that young women would get into brewing rather than get married and then grow up to be old spinsters. And then they didn't even have to have a man to be chained to. And then what? And then what would and we have? And then financial freedom, no baby making, uh, maybe participating in society. We hate this. We hate this development. For other towns and cities, it became increasingly more dangerous for a woman to be a brewmaster. Mm -hmm. The industry that was dominated and perfected by women became a boys-only club. Elle's face right now. <laughs> yeah. I... Ooh. Yeah. To this day, beer is obviously marketed and sold as a drink for men. I mean, look at every Budweiser commercial and you instantly know it's a beer for men by men. And to this day... Only 4% of craft breweries have women as brewmasters. I could go on and on about how, like, patriarchy harms men, too, and about how, like, men are the first victims of patriarchy, but uh, we can have that conversation another time. Instead, I'm going to end the extra spell with this. Patriarchy and misogyny are the reason your beer tastes like piss. 
<laughs> we are fucking cursed to have piss beer because of this. Because you couldn't just let women make stuff. Because you couldn't fucking hang. Yeah. Can't hang. The whole industry is cursed. So if you want to give your money to a woman witch, um, you can give your money to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a reading on moral supplies. <laughs> you owe me money for 600 uh, years of yeah, torture. Uh, kicking women out yeah. of the brewery industry. I, just, I mean, I think, like, I'm so unsurprised because that's kind of um, – the story of a lot of stuff is like reformation. If you look at like religious movements really impacting like how we treat women and like what their places in society, because there have been a lot of like different phases throughout different eras. So like in the 1940s in America, women were the ones that were working in the factories because the men were all fighting in World War Two. That kind of stuff is like. Very obviously, women are just as capable, if not better, at a lot of these things. But it's much easier to keep them out because you don't want the competition of it. So, <clears throat> yeah. Here we are. Feminist is fucking mad. <laughs> I know. So, like, when you see, like, the witch costume with the pointy hat and, like, the cauldron and the broomstick and the cat and all of that. She's making some dope beer. She's making beer. She's brewing beer. So when I was in Salem, they said that a lot of women just in the um, like farms would wear that, would just dress like that as well. So I think it was probably like culturally this is a just working a class thing. thing. Yeah. If you were a working woman. That's what you wore. Yeah, and it just was like representative. And like cats um, have since ancient Egyptian times have been like useful and used as like barn animals and that kind of stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's because cats don't like anyone but their owners. <laughs> so people think they're familiars because they only like one person. So like, well, it has to be the demon of hell. That's how Rocco is. Rocco uh, only likes me. So the exception to that is my cat Spectre. He likes fucking everyone. Um, he loves he's, me. He's kind of a he's kind of a bit of a a, a, a himbo. Attention. Yeah, he's a he himbo. He and I are besties, sure. though. He is a himbo. <laughs> he's very handsome. We hang out. That extra spell was brought to you by L. Have you ever wanted to know about your past life as a sexy brewmaster witch's cat? <laughs> Elle offers Akashic Records readings. She also does soul contract readings to help you understand your relationships with other people and for a solid reminder not to text your ex. Visit Laurels of Lux on Etsy and order your reading today. Elle, what do you have to say about your... My stuff. Your store. Um, so I just added an offer code. So you can use the coupon uh, Mancy20, all one word, in the 20s. The, the the numerals. Uh, Arabic numerals? Yes. Okay. Don't spell out 20. It's yeah. just it's just the 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 numbers 20. Um y'all know how it works, but um that'll give you 20% off of anything that you order. So if you guys were like I really really want this Akashic record reading, but it's 60 bucks and I don't know what to do, you can get it on a discount for $48 with that. Um yeah, I specialize a lot in I guess lately in my Etsy mostly working on Akashic records and soul contracts, which are looking at the purposes of relationships as well as life purpose and soul purpose. So if you're just kind of feeling like you don't know where you're going or what you're doing or you're needing some help or if you want to look into weird particular things like showing up to see a mosaic tile on an Egyptian ground and feeling like you've been there before, you can get a past life reading or an Akashic record reading and we can dig into that. So, yeah, Mancy 20 for 20% off of your order and that's not going to expire. So, you know, use it whenever.
All right, now we're gonna move on to another interesting trope of alcohol magic. You see, it's not all mainheads tearing people limb from limb in a drunken ecstasy. There's also a dark side. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Demonic possession. Mm. While the Greeks and Romans believed the alcohol was connecting them to a god, over time that turned into connecting people with the infernal. Dionysus slash Bacchus in particular was demonized for his connection to vices and pleasure. In fact, our modern image of the devil comes from fauns and satyrs like Pan, mm -hmm. which are the servants of Dionysus. Mm -hmm. Fauns are the like half goat guys like Mr. Tumnus in Narnia. Tumnus, Tumnus is my favorite. I love yeah. Tumnus. Satyrs have deer or horse ears and a permanent massive erection. Oh, okay. Thus, we get the horned, goat-legged image of the devil who drives people to lust and sin. Because mm. that's what the satyrs and fawns do. They show up, they play music, and you have a big old drunken fuck fest. Sounds great. It sounds like a good time. Uh, throughout history, especially in the Dark Ages, mental illnesses were often explained away as demonic possession. One such illness was alcoholism. Individuals with alcohol addictions would say they were being compelled by some unseen infernal force to drink, or that demons were punishing them if they would not drink withdrawals. Mm. Um, the treatment for it was basically, that sucks, bro, have you tried Jesus? <laughs> is that not pretty much what it is at this point? I mean, that's kind of what AA is. Yeah. But AA evolved from this. Mm. Uh, exorcisms were expensive, so most people suffering from alcoholism either got over it through sheer willpower or died. Those mm -hmm. were the options. Yeah. And any disease of the spirit came from sin. So the general attitude was that those who suffered from alcoholism were being punished for that sin. So just let them suffer because they deserved it because they were bad. Mm. Vice laws throughout history targeted alcohol. It was a crime to be drunk in public or to exhibit the signs of alcoholism. So often alcoholics were thrown into prisons where they died of withdrawals and dehydration. So very similar to what happens now when people put each other when you get arrested and you go to the drunk tank. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, these sort of spiritual solutions were always like the only solutions if you could afford them. So AA having its focus on like a higher power or God evolves from these sort of like ancient ways to deal with alcoholism because alcohol is ancient alcoholism is ancient and so there are all these sort of like pseudo not so great strategies to deal with it that mm -hmm. it evolved over time into what we know as like alcoholics anonymous i think the thing that like because i do feel like obviously there's a spot for like spirituality in recovery i just have a lot of opinions about how we handle drug and alcohol addiction recovery because of course i do but i feel like uh, that what they're looking for is mindfulness because that's something that's really helpful is like when people are triggered, then you like teach yourself to be like, oh, wow, I'm triggered. I would like to drink right now. What are my coping skills? What can I run through to do instead of that? And that's really like where recovery sits is like in that space of being able to be mindful about your triggers and then overcoming them, which is not something that you need a God to do. But I think a lot of times it's this way of like shifting blame of like, well, you're not going to be bad. And if you are bad, just tell God and God will fix it for you instead of like people using that. I don't know. 
weird. I, I don't think AA works for a lot of people. No. That's certainly not what no, I've seen work for other people. In, in part two, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about it. But at the same time, you know, AA doesn't work for lots of people. But for other people, it does. It does because yeah. these strategies have been time-tested time yeah. for hundreds of years. If, if not thousands. I just feel like there's a little bit of space for some evolution at this point in oh, how we treat drug and alcohol addiction. Absolutely. And recovery. And we're, we're going to talk about that. So yeah. alcoholism was considered a spiritual affliction until the mid-1800s. Then it was recognized as a disease. A disease. Oh, okay. It was called dipsomania. Mm. And there was a big push among intellectuals to move alcoholism in, from the realm of punishable sin to treatable disorder. Yeah, which is great. Which, you know, was a good thing. Yeah. But even with those good intentions, the temperance movement in the U.S. weaponized this rhetoric to further their goal of banning alcohol entirely. Not only was it a sin, but alcohol now spreads the disease of dipsomania. What specifically was dipsomania? Oh, it's alcoholism. So they're yeah. like, oh, alcoholism or alcohol spreads the disease of alcoholism, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, and it contributed to what ended up being prohibition, which is fucking horrible time yeah, in our history. Bad. Um, the horrors and ghosts of that time still haunt America today. It's yeah. also a cautionary tale. Harm reduction methods for dealing with vice issues are often more effective than extreme zero tolerance policies. Yeah. And that's like that mindfulness of being like, well, just you're going to be triggered. So just stop when you are triggered, when you want to drink. Why do I want to drink? What's happening? What's my experience? And we see this fallacy in America today. And I think a lot of it comes from Christianity making things very black or white. This mm -hmm. is a sin or this is virtuous. Or this is, yeah, there's not a lot of gray area. There's, there's not any room for gray area. And that creates a lot of problems. Like when uh, you hear, you know, the right wing talking point, like, well, if you make guns illegal, then only criminals will get guns. And it's like nobody is saying to that's not yeah just, that's, that's not, not really how it works doing, yeah. it's like common sense you know gun, gun laws, laws like mm -hmm. uh licensing and weapon registration things like that background but, checks but to the republican or to like the the, the gun well, i think yeah when you're trained if, that way if you cannot stop all shootings so like you know new zealand has strict gun laws but there was still that one mass shooting mm -hmm. right because you cannot ban all mass shootings. You must allow you don't, all of them. Don't end all mass shootings, mm -hmm. then uh, there's no point in even trying to stop them. Mm -hmm. There's no point in trying to mitigate them because there's still going to be at least one. Well, so you see that prohibition has actually worked really well with marijuana, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going well. Yeah. And, and harm <laughs> I should say specifically cannabis. Sorry. But, you know, people who are a little more um, – I guess leftist leaning are Able more to see. more about like, hey, maybe you know we allow this, but we also like regulate it and identify like what the problems are and address the, the problems as Rather best we can, thing. knowing that it might be impossible to totally end it, to totally stop this problem. Have you heard of California sober? Do you know what that is? No. So I saw a girl that like we randomly added each other on Facebook to join this group um, had posted a link about it with Demi Lovato that she is California sober. So for her, sobriety looks like only um, partaking in drinking and alcohol and cannabis, marijuana. Marijuana is a, like a colonizer word for marijuana that was used like during Prohibition era. So it's like not technically the appropriate term for it. But 
cannabis use for that. And a lot of people were like, everyone kind of had opinions about that. But to me, I feel like I have clients, I have a lot of clients that are addicts, and I've got like one client who's a meth addict, and he has no problem being able to use marijuana. And he's like, yeah, I just take it to sleep. Like, I don't really like to get high from it. I just use CBD. That's not my problem. My problem is meth, which is not the same effect that you get from marijuana. So it's interesting because you do see now these kinds of ideas of people being like, if you're a heroin addict and you need to have some sort of coping mechanism, go for the ones that are less harmful, that aren't the ones that are going to fucking kill you with dirty needles and stuff like that. And look more at like, are you able to help with some CBD? And also harm reduction strategies like education, mm-hmm. uh, like safe availability, things like yeah. needle exchanges. Needle exchanges, which like, I think they're doing in Utah, that they do those. Yeah. I, I had a friend, um, this was a long time ago, like when the Occupy movement was kind of a thing, but I had a friend who went around Pioneer Park collecting used needles with a blade glove so mm-hmm. that he wouldn't get punctured and putting them into a sharps container so and then sending them to a biohazard place. He got arrested by police for possessing drug paraphernalia. When he was just cleaning up the mm-hmm. park, doing the thing that the and police he showed should be up, doing. And he showed up in court and was like, I was just trying to help and make Make, make sure that people are not getting and, HIV from each other. And the yeah. judge was like, so you are guilty of possessing drug paraphernalia because you admitted you were possessing are drug you paraphernalia. Are you fucking kidding me? I hate this world so much. But the judge said, so I cannot. Not. I cannot not convict you, but I can choose the severity of your sentence. So I'm going to sentence you to public And that's a misdemeanor, service. right? Yeah. And time served already. Yeah. How about uh, public to, service and you already did it? Yeah. Yeah. He had to do public service cleaning up some trash mm-hmm. for like a weekend. There, It just is like – and you see that with like the Noxalin, how they're like trying uh, naloxone. to – Naloxone. Naloxone, which is um, – for oh it's an overdose prevention right yeah. um yeah you see that with like people being like this needs to be readily available and have it's an e- something the emts need to have available to them and people being weird about it and it's like don't you want to save someone's life even if they're a drug user don't you want to save them but i guess not the answer no <laughs> is is no because it's more about because of the way christian fundamentalism stuff, has affected our country uh that it's more about punishment Right. Yeah. Where it's less about justice and more about punishment. Yeah. It just is like really. I don't know. I hope our user. I hope our users. I hope our listeners don't have experiences with addicts and trying to navigate all of this fucking crazy stuff because it's America makes it incredibly fucking difficult in so many different ways for people to be sober, for people to get into recovery and for people to maintain recovery. Anyway, we should hit the bowl. You want to hit the bowl? (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about the relationship between alcohol and magic in other cultures um, in part two and what all that has to do uh, with like America and like how fucked America's relationship with alcohol is. And also why America has so much goddamn cheese in part (laughs) two. Yeah. Uh, For now, we're going to do some oinomancy. And our studio is on a college campus, which is a dry campus. So we did we did not bring alcohol. Can I just say the name of the mancy? Yeah. Oinomancy. 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 Everyone should say that. It feels really interestingly good in the top of your palate with the like nasal. Oinomancy. I just imagine listeners in their cars going like Oinomancy. Oinomancy. And they're like, fuck, Elle lied to me. This does not sound that good. 
So we need some uh, pictures, some videos <laughs> of y'all doing that. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to cut uh, to our our home, kind of like we did with the alchemy episode, and all the pets and, are banished, and like perform the divination <laughs> at home. Uh, and we're going to use the traditional Greek method of pouring a libation on a white cloth. L, are you ready to be a fucking maynad? <laughs> yeah. Are you, have you decided if you're going to get drunk while you do it? No, I think I'm just going to, like everything that we do, I'm just going to show up to it and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see if I decide I need to be drunk for it. I'll go with the flow, you know. And uh, we're going to be doing this reading for Shanna, uh, who is a supporter of the show and also a bartender. Yeah. find some alcohol-minded people to do this for. Awesome. Uh, so cut to that. All right, so we're back in the kitchen doing some oinomancy. Uh, I'm going to get the camera out so that we can get video evidence. Um, so this is wine divination. We have this white cloth that we, um, we accidentally stole this white cloth from a four-star restaurant <laughs> because it fell into a bag. And we've just been wondering what the fuck to do with it. It's like one of those, like, you know, tablecloth, like, napkins. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cloth napkin from, like, tapas, like, very fancy. The one that your mom tells you to put on your lap. Uh, yeah. And the one that if you put into your chin, you look like you're about to just go ham on whatever you ordered. <laughs> if you, like, tuck it into yeah. your shirt, you're not fucking around if you do that. Uh, but it's pure white. Uh, so it's going to be good for the wine scrying so in case we have to do more let's separate it out into quadrants so place the shot glass in a quadrant okay and this is the same shot glass that we used for our um ouija board reading uh in the sylvia plath episode the ouija board episode so this is our most haunted cup uh yeah. <laughs> that we have available <laughs> uh so l is going to pour this Barefoot Sweet Red Blend California Smooth and Sweet Wine from this glass bottle into the haunted shot glass and scry any spillage. No spillage? Onto the... Oh, was I supposed to be pouring? No. Okay, there's no. a little bit. Yeah, on the, the side. There's a little bit? Mm-hmm. Cool. What does it mean, Maynad? Elle did have a whiskey earlier. a little spot it doesn't yeah it does not look like anything what do now does not look like anything no okay what about the cup the side of the cup where the wine spilled out yeah i know um trickle there's a trickle a trickle there's a trickle does it line up with any letters on the ouija board that's on the cup oh okay well that's a thought Uh, i designed escape rooms i know to look for these dumb things x x Okay. And this uh, reading is for Shanna, who asks, how do I find the strength to rebuild again? Which is a big, important sounding question. Um, as far as rebuilding what? I don't know. It could be a Lego tower. I don't know. But I'm guessing it's an important life decision. Uh, so, L, if you would pour slash gently spill some wine without getting any on my laptop, please. Yeah, I'm like, I think that the problem might be that this 
cloth is too absorbent because it's made for this. Well, is, isn't the idea that it's absorbent so it'll like spread out, you know? No, because it's like holding an, a shape. Make like oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. There's an eagle. Okay, so it does make a shape. Yeah, so there's an eagle right here. It's his little beak. It's his wing. It's like a fat eagle. And he's an eagle. And this is a woman. So, and she looks pretty pregnant, um, and uh, I guess, like, our, our ink blots are starting to dissipate, or our wine blots are, but um, pregnancy is just about bringing things into the world, bringing, into, bringing you know, life into things. Um, eagles, the animal medicine behind eagles is a direct connection to God, or the divine. So, there's a lot of stuff here that just has to do with you being able to look inside of yourself and really work on nurturing yourself. I'm, I'm feeling like reparenting yourself is gonna be a really big thing, like really working on breaking through your patterns and really assessing and looking at the things that you're kind of participating in that are uncomfortable to look at, which is so many things. But this feels like really taking an honest assessment of where you're at, where you've been, where you want to be, and then the things that you need to do to kind of get there. And putting that nurturing energy into yourself and really relying on this connection to divine. And that doesn't have to be like the Christian God or anything like that. That can just be whatever it is you believe to be divine. And if you don't know what that is, or if the answer is nothing, I suggest like defining that further, really digging into that and figuring out what kind of holds your world together. So even if you're atheist, really looking at that as kind of what that could be if it isn't a god, I think would be a really big thing. A lot of this is very philosophical and much, much, many much, a lot about being able to pour the energy that you've been putting into other people into yourself. The eagle, the eagle is now a blob. Like it's yeah, spread out so much. It's yeah, it's crazy. Obviously, these are great, fancy napkins. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think just really focusing that energy inward and um, committing to nurturing your soul first and figuring out what that relationship to divine looks like. And I think both in reparenting yourself and also that relationship with divine is kind of where you find that strength getting made. And it isn't something that you find, but something that you build over time, like resilience. Do you want to spill another one? Sure. <sighs> Should I pour more wine in? I think there's enough in there. Is this for Shanna again? Uh, up to you. Okay. I'm just going to see... Well, we got here going on. This is like a little cat. It's a little spirit cat. It looks like a dragon. A dragon, like a crocodile. Like a dragon. So this little spirit cat um, with the aura, this feels like a cat that's in spirit that you were friends with that um, maybe you had when you were younger and like just a message that they're still around and that they love you and that they're watching over you and this little halo of protection is around um them and you and them whenever they're with you and that they're thinking about you so it's a little spirit cat okay yeah the dragon um i don't see a dragon no you don't see the dragon He's kind of gone now. He's a blob. I mean, I see, like, it looks like an alligator to me. And that feels prehistoric. It feels ancient. It feels like primordial sludge in a way, in a weird way that's, like, that's what it's connecting to in my brain. And so I want you to just kind of 
dig into that energy that's available to all of us through the things that make us alive, like whatever that means to you. And I think in that space, in that very esoteric space is also kind of where you can answer those questions about what divinity means to you and what um, moving on looks like and where strength comes from and what resilience is and kind of the crossroads of all of those big things. Basically, you got some rebuilding, but you have a very cute little familiar that's with you helping you do that work in the spirit world too. Uh, do you want to do one for me? Sure. Since it's my borf day? Yeah, it's your borf day. And we have tried to have such a fun borf day. What do you, do you just want like a general? Um, sure. Okay, so I'm seeing like a surprised face right here. Like, <laughs> and then I'm seeing like a thought bubble or a comment bubble. So it feels like there's some like pretty interesting and exciting things coming in that you have a lot of thought about or that you need to start picking through. Or you kind of already know what the thing is that needs to be said, but it's like getting to the point of being able to do that and being really surprised. I can't get over the like big eye, <laughs> the like one big eye. Do you see him? He has one big eye and one little eye. He's like... Oh. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. It. And you see the thought bubble? Yeah. Yeah. So some, some exciting stuff coming. It looks like just surprising things and yeah, be ready for surprises, but good. It feels good to me. Are my surprises ever good? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we've had some good surprises lately, haven't we? Uh, Nancy is a good surprise. I, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of something that was I'm gonna do one. planned. Is this for you? Mm-hmm. Okay, Elle is dribbling. It looks like an eagle and a man. I thought it was like a woman and an eagle. Well, it looks... No, it looks like an angel. Maybe a demon, because it's got horns. It looks like a mythical angelic being of some kind. And a man. I think I have a new guide. Yeah? That's what it is, yeah. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm your new guide. Um, anyway, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So if you could just, like, skip to the bell ringing part. Um... Oh, shit, I've, that's like 20 <laughs> wings, holy, oh, I'm a mute, I look like fucking Metatron, oh, oh no. my god. Anyway, that's my bit. Um, yeah, I think it's a new guide is what's talking about, which is interesting. Okay, so that is oinomancy in the ancient Greek tradition. Um, obviously, uh, the main ads would get absolutely twisted um, <laughs> when they did this. Uh, and L is not quite that twisted no. uh, when when doing this reading. But I hope that was uh, useful for you, Shanna. Also, pray that I don't vomit during another episode, because when it's three times, it's a running gag. This <laughs> 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 is a pun. Anyway, uh, thanks for being a supporter of the show, Shanna. I hope this was good. Hit us up on Patreon, and L will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mansi. Also, if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com. 
If you wanted to get a reading from me, you can go to my Etsy, which is Laurels of Lux. And don't forget to use the code MANCY20 for 20% off of any of your orders. The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Arthi Vinka, Miyu, and Scott Buckley. RJ from the future here to make a bit of a correction. In the extra spell, I mentioned that the pointy hats witches wear uh, are because working class women wore pointy hats. Uh, That is sort of correct. Yes, it is true that working class women wore tall hats so that they could be spotted in fields of wheat, like tall grass, and at the market where they were selling their beer. The pointy versions of those hats are actually rooted in anti-Semitism. Throughout the Middle Ages in Europe, Jewish people were connected to mysticism and sorcery, and so to identify uh, Jewish people and people who were accused of being sorcerers, they were forced to wear these pointy hats. This is where we get the witch's hat and also the wizard's hat.